morning. My name is Gene Williams. I'm one of the leaders here at Grace Fellowship Church, and we are delighted that you're here to worship with us this morning. I don't prefer to start off by talking about sin, but I mean to. My guess is that you'll be able to relate. And in case you don't, you aren't familiar with the word, sin is, by definition, us doing something that God tells us not to do or neglecting to do something that God says, go do. For me, God shows me more and more of my sin as the days go by. There is holiness being brought about in my heart, but at the same time, God shows me more of my sin and and how deep they run as I grow up. I see my need for God to save me from my sin. I see my sin in how I treat others whenever I'm angry. I see it in how I get anxious when I doubt God and His Word. I see it in how I eat a lot more than I need to, thinking that food's going to give me comfort. And with this sin, what hope do I have of standing before God and saying, let me in? How could the sin in my heart coexist with a sinless, perfect God? And if there is a solution, how could God fix the problem of my sin without compromising his justice? Without just saying, ah, sin's okay, come on in. My guess is that you can relate to this. Maybe you've asked yourself some of the same questions. Maybe you're looking to God for a solution. We're going to be in Mark 14 this morning. It's on page 552 if you have a church Bible. And today we're going to see how committed God is to dealing with sin without compromising his just character. We'll see the word of God that he began to set in motion hundreds, no, thousands of years ago. We'll see that word be fulfilled. We'll look at the Passover, which is originally a Jewish celebration. And we'll see how God's word about the Passover has to be fulfilled if we are to have any hope. Why should you care about this? Because if you're breathing, there is sin in your heart that needs to be dealt with. You, you need this word about the Passover to be fulfilled. If you are to have any hope of standing before God and being right with him. So, this is why the Passover has to be fulfilled. And so I invite you to follow through with me in the text as we see... God, fulfill His Word. On your outline, you'll be able to see that there's a, an alternation between Jesus' Word and God's Word. They're both going to be about the Passover. And they're, they're both going to usher in the fulfillment of the Passover. First, we'll look at Jesus, the room prepared just as He had told them. Second one, Son of Man is betrayed as it is written of Him. Third, The body and blood are offered as a picture of fulfillment to come. And then fourth, the shepherd will be struck and the sheep will scatter, for it is written. 
I'm going to pray and then we can get started. Father, thank you for this chance to look at your word and be amazed at how you have fulfilled your word. Lord, would you guide us as we read your word? Would you teach us more about your character, about our sin, and about the sacrifice that you brought about through the Passover that we might have hope and that we might be right with you? Lord, I pray that you bless our time, we ask, in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. So first, we're going to look at Jesus' word, the room prepared just as he had told them. And for this, we're going to be, like I said, in Mark 14, starting at verse 12. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There, prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it, just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. So Christ's word is being fulfilled in this section. The, the, the room is prepared just as he told his disciples it would be. But before I get into that, I'd, I'd like to give some details on the Passover and help set the scene for the text that we're looking at this morning. We see Christ's word being fulfilled, but we also see the fulfillment of the Passover. Thousands of years in the making. So, what is the, the Passover lamb? Thousands of years before Christ, while the Israelites were enslaved to the Egyptians, God's people were, were under the Egyptians, God used Moses and plagues to liberate his people. God sent plague after plague on the Egyptians until finally Pharaoh said, Okay, Israelites, you can go. And, and the final plague that Pharaoh, uh, that convinced Pharaoh to let the Israelites go was the death of every firstborn in Egypt. And this, this plague, this final plague happened in the night. Some firstborns were killed and some were preserved. The life of the firstborn was preserved if the household followed God. And there was a sign that a household followed God. Moses instructed followers of God to slaughter a lamb and put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. That was to be the sign. And so when the Lord came that night and he killed the firstborns in Egypt, he passed over the houses with the sign. And this, of course, is where we get the, the Passover name. God passed over some of the houses and didn't kill some of the firstborns. So, 
the, the body and the blood of the lamb are sacrificed for the sake of the firstborn. The lamb dies and the firstborn gets to live. And every year the Jewish people were to remember this deliverance that God had given them by celebrating the, the Passover meal. And this is where we enter our story in Mark. Jesus and his disciples, they are ready to celebrate the Passover. It's that time of year. So they're celebrating that deliverance, but they're also ushering in something greater, a greater Passover. In celebrating the Passover, they are foreshadowing what would happen the very next day. But I'll leave that to Dan Miller as he preaches in a couple weeks on the crucifixion. So, besides this glorious Passover, we also see Christ's word more um, also being fulfilled. The disciples are looking for a place to celebrate the meal. They say, Jesus, where should we go? Where would you like us to celebrate? And Jesus says, go into town. You'll find this man carrying a jar of water. You, you've got to follow him, and then you'll find the, the place that we're looking for. And they do. Verse 16 says, And the disciples found it just as Jesus had told them. And they prepared the Passover. This is kind of like if you open a fortune cookie, read it to your friends, and then witness it come true. It's kind of like that. And I'm not talking a generic fortune cookie like, you will have a good day. I'm talking, you will get married before the year is out. And then it happens. This is kind of like what's going on here. Does Christ have prophetic power or did he simply make arrangements ahead of time? That's a question you may be asking yourself. Good question. Not sure, but I, I think either way, this is a picture of Christ's word coming to fulfillment. Christ says something will happen and then quotes, they found it just as he had told them. Mark wants us to see Christ's word coming to fulfillment. We know that the word about the Passover must be fulfilled. So how does this apply to us? When you consider Christ's words, do you believe that they will be fulfilled? Maybe you believe in God, but, but you have not yet put faith in Christ. Or maybe you don't ascribe great credibility to his words. Do you know that Jesus' words are given fulfillment just as, as God's are? And we'll see more clearly as we read on this morning, Mark is putting Jesus' words on the same level as God's. God's words are to be fulfilled, but so are Christ's. You'll see this alternation that Mark gives us. Jesus' words, God's words, Jesus' words, God's words. So I invite you to consider that as we keep going. In summary, we've seen Jesus' word, the room prepared, just as Jesus said it would be. Now we're going to move on to 
point two, the Son of Man is betrayed as it is written of him. And for this, we're going to read starting at verse 17. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, is it I? He said to them, it is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. So we saw Jesus' word. Now we see God's word being fulfilled. The Son of Man is betrayed as it is written. When you... Read the phrase, as it is written in the Bible. What does that mean? It also almost always means that it's quoting something that has happened earlier in the Bible, often in the Old Testament. So, do you know where it was written that the Son of Man would be betrayed? Hundreds of years before this, Psalm 41, verse 9, David, king of Israel, writes, Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Does that sound familiar? Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. How about this one? Psalm 55, 13 and 14. This is David again. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house, we walked in the throng. Who is the familiar friend? Who is the one eating bread with Jesus? It's Judas. Judas and Christ are the fulfillment of these Old Testament Scriptures written centuries before Christ walked the earth. Judas is the familiar friend with whom Jesus walked in the temple. Judas is the close friend in whom Jesus trusted, who ate his bread and lifted his heel against Christ. This is amazing fulfillment of God's word hundreds of years in the making. This is kind of like cracking open another fortune cookie, but then waiting hundreds of years and you see it come to perfect fulfillment. Somehow you live through the hundreds of years part. Let that put it in perspective for you. These these words are being fulfilled. They're fulfilled in the lives of the original authors, yes, but they are also fulfilled in Christ. Hundreds of years go by and... One day, the Son of Man is betrayed by one of his twelve disciples, one of the twelve who dips his bread in the dish with Jesus and betrays him to be crucified. We see this word being fulfilled again in a greater way with Christ. So, we know that the word of God about the Passover must be fulfilled. 
And we have seen God work this from the Old Testament. How does this apply? Do you read and believe the Old Testament as if its promises are true? Do you study its ins and outs looking for the prophecy of Jesus? Even if it's harder to understand, do you read the Old Testament to your children? Knowing full well that it's given by God as a thorough, perfect foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. If not, I invite you, take part of this this fulfillment, this feast for your soul. Read the Old Testament. For me, it looks like something like this. I am finishing up a one-year plan this month, a reading Bible plan. Um, and I plan to just start over again. But this time, starting in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, and going through the, the major prophets and the minor prophets, which I'm less familiar with. And I want to do it in a different translation. I, I, I love reading and learning more about God in His Word. And one of the best ways to do that is read texts that you're not familiar with. So I challenge you, read from the Old Testament, even if it's scary. We've seen God's Word. The Son of Man is betrayed as it is written of Him. Next, we'll move on to Jesus' Word. The body and blood are offered as a picture of fulfillment to come. And for this, let's start reading at 22. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So, we see Christ's word coming to fulfillment again. Jesus' word shines brightly as the bread and the wine are offered. And they, they serve as a picture of what is going to happen the very next day. The bread that they break together. And eat, that symbolizes Jesus' body, which would be broken in punishment and death the next day. Verse 22, take, this is my body. The wine they drink together symbolizes Jesus' blood, which would pour forth in great volume the next day. Verse 24, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Just as they are celebrating the Passover that happened in Egypt, which again, hundreds of years before this, with, with the breaking of the body of the Lamb and the shedding of the blood of the Lamb, the true Lamb, Jesus, is offering the same thing. His body. His blood. Again, what a, a beautiful picture of fulfillment. And what a testimony to Jesus' word. Are you beginning to see it? Jesus' word, 
God's Word, Jesus' Word. And we'll get to God's Word. And here's a whole other level to it. Jesus' Word about the body and the blood of the Passover, it's His Word, but it's based on commandment given by God's Word, Exodus 12, in how to celebrate the Passover. So we see all these different words coming to fulfillment. Some are Christ's and some are God's. And it's, it's beautiful in how it all comes together. This point needs no illustration because we have the perfect illustration in communion which we get to celebrate as a church body the first Sunday of every month. So we'll get to do that later. But for now, we know that the Word of God about the Passover must be fulfilled. How does this apply? This is true about communion for us. When you take communion, do you meditate on the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus? I encourage you to, to think about it and, and take this practical application. When you, when you eat the bread, think about Jesus' broken body for you. When you drink the, the juice or wine, think about His blood pouring forth from His body. The sacrifice that He made for you. Here's another way to think about communion. You can think about the fulfillment of it. The, the same the word that we've been considering all this morning. Do you see that these words had to be fulfilled if Jesus' kingdom was to come. This kingdom that we've been talking about all throughout Mark does not come if this word is not fulfilled. Why would the, the kingdom not come without this? Because God has to remain just. God must deal with sin and not simply overlook it. That means He needs a Passover lamb. Either Jesus died dies or you have to. Without the fulfillment of these words, the kingdom does not come. Jesus' body isn't broken. His blood isn't spilled. And sinners are left without hope. Rescue and redemption does not happen if these words don't come true. And so, here's your application. Relish the fulfillment of these words. Relish or greatly enjoy the fulfillment of the Passover word. We know that these words were fulfilled. And because of that, we can rejoice. So, Jesus' word, in closing, the, the body and blood are offered as a picture of fulfillment. Let's look at the last point here. God's Word. The shepherd will be struck and the sheep will scatter, for it is written. And for this, we're going to read, starting at verse 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. 
And Jesus said to him, Truly, I, I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. So, we see God's Word coming to fulfillment again. And, and this one's kind of intriguing. Normally, it's, it's not the shepherd who is struck. Normally, it's the sheep, right? For going astray. Why is the shepherd the one who is struck? And, and where was it written? This is another fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. It's in Zechariah. And before I, I get to the verse, here's a bit of what Zechariah is about. It's an Old Testament prophetic book. It takes place after the exile of God's people to Babylon. And it talks of prophecies. It talks of a divine warrior. And in it, we find our verse here in Mark. Mark 14:27. I invite you to look at it. Jesus says, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter, will be scattered. And it's quoting Zechariah 13:7. This is what's being fulfilled. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So, we see this prophecy from Zechariah's time, 500 years before Christ, about to be fulfilled. Jesus is the chief shepherd who will be struck. And as soon as he's struck, the sheep, the disciples, they will scatter. Despite Peter's emphatic, even though they all fall away, I will not. Despite his, if I must die with you. I will not deny you. Despite them all saying the same in verse 31, they will scatter. Because what we have here is the prophetic word of God bumping up against the emphatic word of man. Which one do you think is going to win? Yes, Jesus is going to win. It's kind of like Mom and dad in the, in the minivan and the kids are in the back and you've got an amusement park coming up on the side. And the kids say, Mommy, Daddy, we're going to the amusement park. As long as it's, it's not said by mom and dad up front, it's not going to happen. It's the word of mom and dad that, are, uh, that will stand. So, here in Mark, we see the same thing, except it's flipped. The disciples say, this won't happen, this won't happen, but from centuries before, God the Father declared that the scattering of the sheep would happen. And we won't read the fulfillment of this until next week, but it, it happens. Jesus is struck, and the sheep scatter. So, we know that the word of God about the Passover must be fulfilled. The word from Zechariah must be fulfilled. The word of Jesus must be fulfilled. 
God's word and Jesus' word both about the Passover must be fulfilled. In closing, let's, let's consider this in light of the gospel. The word of God is, about the Passover must be fulfilled. But what is the word of God? The word of God is the gospel of Christ. It's the glorious truth that, yes, God's people were rescued from the Egyptians and slavery to the Egyptians in Egypt. But they were also rescued and we are also rescued from Something much worse. We know of a greater Passover. And if you are a believer, you know about this Passover. If you are a Christian, God looks at you as he looks at the firstborn. And he also looks at the blood of Christ on your doorpost. And instead of killing you, he passes over you and allows you to live. And not only that, but you get adopted into his family. So you keep your life and you live. Or you keep your life and you get adopted. The body of the true lamb and the blood of the true lamb were sacrificed so that you might live and not die. The Son of Man was unjustly betrayed so that you might not get what you justly deserve, which is death. The shepherd, the chief shepherd, has been struck so that his sheep don't have to be struck. And all of this has been fulfilled because of God's commitment to his word and to you. So how does this apply? Two quick closing applications for you. Rejoice and marvel. Rejoice and marvel at what God, uh, at the word of God about the Passover and that it has been fulfilled. Rejoice. We have reason to be the most joyous people in all the earth. Without the fulfillment of this word, we are left killed and without hope. But with the fulfillment of this word, we are given life that we don't deserve as a mercy. There is much reason to rejoice. And, and to marvel. Be amazed at the in-depth, the, the patient, thorough fulfillment of God's word, many of which took hundreds of years for God to weave together. Marvel at how he, he brought it all together. Marvel at his, his commitments to bring the word to completion. So, I invite you to rejoice and marvel. I'm going to pray to close us. God, we worship you and give you thanks this morning. We praise you for the Passover Lamb of Christ. The one without, uh, we are left killed and hopeless, but with Him and with the fulfillment of your word, God, we get Life and mercy. God, would you help us to rejoice in this amazing truth that you have brought to pass? Would you help us to marvel at how you have woven it all together? And Lord, would you 
Uh, bless our time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.